the message is going to be focused on four different ladies in the Bible. And we're going to look at some women of God. But let me just say, we're not just preaching to women today. These are lessons that all of us can learn from these women in the Bible. And so we're going to be in different places, but we're going to start with Proverbs 31. So get your Bibles and join me there. You know, as a church, let me just thank you as, uh, as your pastor. Just thank you uh, for being a godly wife, a woman of God. Your job is beyond comparison. And uh, the, you, the influence you have in, in the lives of children, the influence you have in the lives of those around you, it, I'm telling you, we will only know in eternity the impact that you have made. There was a lady named Emily, and she was standing in line one day, and she was waiting to get her driver's license at the county clerk's office. And she was asked, uh, she noticed the woman in front of her that the county clerk says, what's your occupation? She said, she said well, I'm a mother. And she said, we don't have an occupation list for mother. We'll put housewife. You know, it's kind of snooty. You ever had someone like that? Women, I'm sure you have, if you've ever been a, a, a mother, uh, and that's your sole occupation. You know what that is. And so she was just kind of snooty. So Emily was watching this interaction going on in front of her. And so she said, man, I'm a, I'm a mother. That's my occupation. And so she got to thinking, what am I going to say? And so she had her answer prepared. And so when it was her turn, she, the, the lady behind the desk said, well, what is your occupation? She said, I'm a research associate in the field of child development and human relations. The woman had her pen in her hand and she stops midair and she looked at her and she said, could you say that again? She said, well, sure. She said, I'm a research associate in the field of child development and human relations. And so the woman kind of took a, a step back and she said, well, just what do you do in your field? Well, coolly, the, the mother replied, she said, I have a continuing program of research. In other words, what mother doesn't, amen? She's, she says, in the laboratory and in the field. Normally, she does her work outside with the kids and indoors with the kids. She said, I'm working for my master's, which is her whole family, and already have four credits, all of which are daughters. Of course, the job is one of the most demanding in the humanities. Any mother want to debate that today? And she says, I often work 14 hours a day. 24 is more like it, amen, mothers? And so this clerk, she heard this description, and just a, she just, wow, her respect for this woman was very noted. And as a matter of fact, as she completed her transaction, she stood up and ushered her to the door and thanked her for coming in. And so this mom, Emily, as she drove home, she was just so encouraged by this newfound title that she had given herself. And she was all excited, and she got home, and there, we meet her in the door. She was greeted by her lab assistants, ages 13, 7, 3, and the newest model, and the latest was a 6-month-old, who was currently in the testing of its new vocal pattern. <laughs> Motherhood, what a glorious career, Amen especially when there's a title on the door. But I guess if you need a title and you're a grandmother today, that would make you senior research associate in the field of child development and human relations. Maybe you're a great-grandmother. Can I get any great-grandmothers in here today? Give me a good amen. Wow. Y'all must be really excited about that title. Great-grandmothers would be executive senior research associates. That's a good title, isn't it? Or if you're an aunt, that makes you associate research assistants. Listen, you're more than just the mom, amen? God has uniquely made you and called you, and he's called you to be a woman of God. And today as we look at the scripture, I just want to encourage you that your influence will last for generations to come. And you're, uh, when you walk with the Lord, it is never in vain. 
And I just want to encourage you today. Look at Proverbs 31. We're not going to preach out of Proverbs 31, but I just want to just point to this. My daughter and I were having a conversation. She always likes to look over my sermon with me before I preach it on Sunday morning, and, and I, I guess she's proofing it. But she likes to look it over and said, Oh, Dad, you're preaching out of Proverbs 31. And I said, Well, not exactly. I'm just going to read it. And she said, I love Proverbs 31. She said, I go there and I read it uh, a, a lot because I just want to know what God wants me to be. What an incredible, incredible thing that God's given us here in Proverbs 31. Let's look at verse 10. It says, Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. And all the men said, Amen. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She bringeth her food from afar. She riseth also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her hand unto her maidens. She considereth a field and buyeth it. And with the fruit of her hands she planteth a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle and her hands hold the distaff. She stretcheth out her hands to the poor. Yea, she, um, yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household. For all her household are clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates, and when he sitteth among the elders of the land. She maketh a fine linen, and selleth it, and delivereth girdles unto the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness." She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is, uh, is vain, deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. Let's pause for this prayer today. Father, there's no doubt in my mind that, Lord, this is an incredible description of a godly uh, woman. And what an incredible uh, gift you've given us from your word. And, Lord, I just pray, Lord, today for the mothers that are here, the husbands, the families. Lord, as we just get into the word of God, I pray that, Lord, we be encouraged and inspired, Lord, uh, by the lives that we'll look at from Jochebed all the way to Mary and all of these different lives that have made a huge impact in their family. God, may we also have that same inspiration to impact our family for Christ. God, thank you for these dear mothers, these dear women of God here today. And may you just open our hearts and our minds in the next few moments, Lord, that no distractions or anything that would try to hinder your work, none of those things would be able to enter this place as we just try to hear from you. May you be glorified and magnified in Jesus' name. Amen. If you look at Proverbs 31 woman, we can see she's a trusted woman. In verse 11, we can see that she does good and she she doesn't do evil. She's industrious. She finds food for her family. Uh, and that was even before Walmart existed. 
She works late hours. She's busy providing clothing and other needed items. She speaks with wise words. She cares for the poor and those in need. She's not known for idleness. She's praised by her children and her husband, and she fears God. And you look at that long laundry list, and you think as a mother, oh my goodness, how in the world could I possibly be this woman? But let me just encourage you. God's not requiring you to be perfect. He just wants you to be godly. He wants you to strive after that together today. And we have four examples of some women in the Bible that I want to look at to encourage your life and your walk with the Lord so that we can together uh, develop this godliness in our own life. Listen, these mothers were mothers who displayed great courage. They were mothers of great integrity, mothers who, who had great faith, mothers who had great commitment not only to God but to their family. In short, let me just say they were women of God. And many of you in this room today, I would, probably, I would, I would align right there with them but there's some maybe that you feel like maybe I've lacked in this area. And I pray that today that through the message that God would inspire you, encourage you just to stay faithful to the Lord, to come back to Him and find the strength that He is. So let's look together. And let me just mention today, um, I'm preaching from a different Bible. And this one you can see doesn't even have a cover. It's wore out. This was my mother's Bible. And I just wanted to use it this morning as I preach this message about mothers and their godly influence. Join with me in Exodus chapter number 1 today. Let's begin with Jochebed. Jochebed had great courage. You say, my, you can, my daughter said, Dad, who's Jochebed? Well, Jochebed is mother's, uh, Moses' mother. This is the mother of Moses. She had a great, a great influence uh, in the life of Moses and Miriam and Aaron. She was an incredible mother that had displayed great courage in a time where that was very, very fearful. You know, we look about our country and we see all the crazy that's going on today. But listen, it's nothing compared to what Egypt was in Goshen during that time. It was a time of, uh, that required great courage and great faith. And so let me just share with you a little bit of the background in Exodus chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 15 through 16. And let me just say that, that after Joseph's death, now another king had arisen that didn't know Joseph, didn't know uh, the, the children of Israel, and he was intimidated. Never, I'm always disappointed when, when a young pastor comes along and he never honors the man that went before him. I think it's our duty to honor the man of God. And I'm thankful for Pastor Tolbert. I'm thankful for his investment. I'm thankful for the men of God that went before Pastor Tolbert, Brother Beatty, and so many others that have filled this pulpit and pro, uh, faithfully proclaimed truth. Listen, this king didn't honor any of those other things. Years had passed, and he didn't care anything about the Israelites. He, he abused them. He enslaved them. Literally, they were put to slavery. The more they, multi and the more they, they put them in slavery, the more they multiplied. And so out of fear, he commanded that all the Hebrew males be murdered. Verse 15. And the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of one was Shifra, and the name of the other was Pua. And he said, When you do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women, and see um, uh, upon the stools if it be a son, then ye shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. Now skip to verse 22. And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. So this is the backdrop. This is the story of what's going on in Jochebed's life. And this is what Moses was born into. And this, in this scene, we're introduced to, to two people who demonstrated great faith. The, the mother of Moses was Jochebed. The father of Moses was Amram. And these two were, were uh, betrothed and married in a time where it was not healthy to be alive if you were a Jew. 
But in verse chapter 2, in verse 1, it says, And there went a man of the house of Levi and took, a wife of, uh, took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she took him uh, for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it uh, with slime and with pitch and put the child therein. And she laid it in the flags by the river, river's brink. Listen, she just wanted to uh, obey God. She said, listen, I want this child belongs to you, Lord. And, and she kept him as long as she could. And, and many of us know the story that what goes and happens next. But let me just say, Jochebed raised a godly brood. Despite raising her children in Egypt, we saw her children learn to trust in the Lord through the most horrific of circumstances. They weren't perfect we saw Miriam doubt God. We saw Miriam question uh, uh, Moses. We saw this uh, discontent and different things that arrived in their life. But we saw was that God used Jochebed's faith to inspire them to follow the Lord. Through the hardest of times, Miriam, Aaron, and Moses remembered when Jochebed walked by faith. Miriam was a sister of Moses and Aaron. She appears first here in Exodus chapter 2. We could read a little further down, and I'd encourage you to do so later. Verse 4, his sister stood uh, far off. That's, that's Miriam right there. And she watches over this basket as it goes down the Nile, and she sees it drift into the little cove where, uh, where uh, Pharaoh's daughter is there bathing. And, and, and as she uh, goes in there, this, she picks up the daughter, and she grabs it, and she, or picks up the babe, and she says, oh, it's a Hebrew child, and she brings it. And about that time, Miriam runs up and says, do you need a nurse? And she says, yeah, I need a nurse. And Miriam went and ran and got Jochebed and said, I've got the nurse for you. And God reunited mother and son. What an incredible story of faith. God used Miriam later. She's used in Exodus 15. She see, we see her as a prophetess, and it's reinforced by her description uh, as Aaron's sister. In Exodus chapter 15, verses 20 through 21, it says, And Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances. And Miriam answered them, Sing ye to the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously the horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. You see, she leads these women in a song uh, in the, with the congregation proclaiming all of God's great power. She was used mightily of God, but it all started with a godly mother. There was Aaron. Aaron was Moses' brother. He was chosen of God to be the high priest and he became the first high priest, and he began as just an intermediary between Moses and the people. Remember, Moses said, well, I, 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 I can't talk. He had a stuttering problem. He says, I, I just can't do it. And so Mo, God allowed uh, Aaron to fill that gap. Later, he was the high priest, and he was seen alongside Moses throughout the Exodus, the book of Exodus, until the time of his death. And then, of course, Moses. Moses' name, he who is drawn from water. You would expect unusual things from a man like this, wouldn't you? A man who was pulled out of the water in that, that place of death, but yet God used him. And we saw God use his life in tremendous ways. And Moses was used of God to bring the children out of Egypt into, uh, the, uh, to the brink of the promised land. He was the one that brought the law. He wrote the first five books of the Bible, and he did so much more. He was a man God used mightily. And in the New Testament, in Hebrews 11, it says this, By faith, Moses... 
And you can read verses 24 through 29 and you see the great things. For example, it says, When he was come to years, he refused to be called the sons, uh, son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. You see, Moses knew what it was to walk by faith because he saw his mother's example. But see, God, Jochebed had a godly influence. The, her name means Jehovah is our God. Man, what a great name to be able to say, listen, we, we trust in the Lord. We trust Him because He is our God. Mothers, what a great influence you have when you bring your children to the Lord and say, He is our God. He's the Lord we worship today. She was raising her children in the society of Egypt. Listen, they were slaves. They knew what it was to suffer, to be whipped. They knew what it was to experience the lashing and many other atrocities. And yet there wasn't bitterness. There wasn't anger. There wasn't those things. Instead, she simply trusted God through it all. And mothers, if you're hanging on to bitterness and you're hanging on to fear and you're hanging on to these things, I'm telling you, your children will follow after you. You've got to let it go. But see, that wasn't the only thing they faced. The Egyptians were a society based on polytheism. They were surrounded by false gods and worship of false gods. Their gods, uh, uh, they worked daily to engrave them on the structures that they built. Their, the gods of the Egypt were surrounded the Israelites. They were influenced heavily by them. And yet this family said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Because one woman said, I'm going to trust God more than anything else. Deuteronomy chapter 6, we see that Moses later would be inspired by God to write these words. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Why? Because Moses heard them from Jochebed. Jochebed, whose name says, Jehovah is our God. He's teaching now the children of Israel, teach them to your children. And shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. You know, we face challenges today in 2021 raising kids. And if you're raising kids, praise God, man, it's an exciting time, challenging time, but God is still God, amen? And man, and we lift Him up high, and we want our kids, maybe you have grandchildren or great-grandchildren, we want them to live godly lives, but it's going to take some sacrifice. So Jochebed sacrificed. She sacrificed for children in Hebrews eleven twenty three. It says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. We sacrifice for our children all the time, don't we? So oftentimes when our children are young, we often have to sacrifice to help pay for just the everyday needs. Well, you know, you start out in life, especially when you're young and you're married, you don't have a lot. And so you sacrifice so that you can have what you know, your children can have what they need to be able to just get through life. And then later, as they grow, we, we sacrifice time to be there for their sports events. We sacrifice time. We put off put, uh, or uh, even, even some of our wants. We put off buying that new car so that those kids can go to college. You know, we sacrifice in those worldly things. But God says there's something even greater that we need to sacrifice. And that's the, the sacrifice of dying to self, living for Christ. And that's what Jochebed did. Jochebed was a great example a woman who was willing to stand courageously against her fears, against her doubts, against her desire for revenge, and she simply stood for God. 
Now turn over to the book of 1 Samuel with me. 1 Samuel chapter 1. There's another lady I want to introduce you to. Her name is Hannah. And, and as we move forward in scriptures, we see a life of another godly mother. A mother that is yet to be when we pick up the narrative. She wants a baby, but she's barren. Many of us know the story of Hannah. She was tormented uh, by uh, her husband's other uh, uh, wife, Penaniah, because of her barrenness. And uh, daily, uh, she, was, she was just tormented by the fact that she could not have a child. Because for a woman, during her time, it was a symbol of shame to be barren. And she wanted a child, but it just couldn't happen. 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 6 says, And her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. So she came to the Lord. Her response was, I'm coming to God with this. And so we see, first and foremost, in her integrity, her trust. In her daily torment, she knew that she could still trust God. She knew she could bring her problems to the Lord. And when we find her at the altar, we find her here pouring out her heart to God. In verse 10, it picks up the narrative. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. I can just imagine the heartache that this mother experienced. But her faith was not misplaced. Amen. I'm thankful that today, man, you're going through some heartache or there's, a, there's something that's going on in your life that you, we can bring it to the Lord and know that God is uh, un, not uncaring. He cares about you. He cares about this situation. And the greatest thing is He has power to change it. There's Hannah's prayer. Secondly, Hannah ran to God. In verse 11, it says, And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look upon the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but wilt give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give unto him the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall be no razor come upon his head. Listen, as Hannah sought for God to heal the situation, she found that he is always faithful. And in confirmation of that, along comes Eli, the priest, Saw her praying, and there was some misunderstanding. And she saw her lips move, but nothing come out. She thought he thought she was drunk, but he comes to her with understanding in verse seventeen. And I love the comfort that he speaks. He says, "Go in peace, and the God of Israel grants thee thy petition that thou hast asked of Him." And immediately in verse eighteen, look what it says: She was changed, and she said, "Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight." So the woman went her way, and did eat. And her countenance was no more sad. She believed. She trusted the Lord. She knew that God had heard and answered her prayer. And she had not, no doubt that God was willing and able to intervene in this dreadful situation. And she saw that God did hear. Amen. In this next scene in verse 20, we see Hannah's commitment to God. Her integrity shown in this moment. Wherefore it came to pass when the time was come about after, uh, about after Hannah had uh, conceived that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. In verse 27 and 28, we see that she keeps this vow. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshipped him there. Man, what a glorious thing. This tremendous woman, I find her integrity still inspires us today. It would have been easy to keep Samuel. Well, I've got this one, and there's no guarantee that I'll have another one, so I'll just keep this one unto myself. But she said, listen, this one belongs to God. And she gave him to him. She kept her word. 
I read a story that was simply entitled, When You Thought I Wasn't Looking. I want to share this with you. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you hang my first painting on the refrigerator and I immediately wanted to paint another one. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you feed a stray cat and I learned that it was good to be kind to animals. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you make my favorite cake for me and I learned that little things can be the special things in life. When you thought I wasn't looking, I heard you say a prayer and I knew there is a God I could always talk to and I learned to trust in God. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you make a meal and take it to a friend who was sick and I learned that we all have to help take care of each other. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you give your time and money to help people who had nothing and I learned that those who have something should give to those who don't. When you thought I wasn't looking, I felt you kiss me goodnight and I felt loved and safe. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you take care of our house and everyone in it and I learned we have to take care of what we are given. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw how you handled your responsibilities, even when you didn't feel good, and I learned that I would have to be responsible when I grew up. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw tears come from your eyes, and I learned that sometimes things hurt, but it's all right to cry. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw that you uh, cared, and and I wanted to be everything I could be. When you thought I wasn't looking, I learned most of life's lessons that I need to know to be a good and productive person when I grow up. And when you thought I wasn't looking, I looked at you and wanted to say, thanks. Thanks for all the things I saw when you thought I wasn't looking. You see, moms, sometimes you think, man, this is hopeless. They're never going to get it. But they're, they're looking, aren't they? Two more stories, two more people. Eunice. You say, Pastor, who's Eunice? I'm glad you asked. We're going to go there. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 5. In your Bibles, you're going to find this woman who's not talked about much, but what is said about her is tremendous in the Bible. This is a mother that displayed what the Bible calls unfeigned faith. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5, it says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice, I am persuaded that in thee also. Unfeigned faith is literally described as undisguised, sincere, without hypocrisy. Paul describes the faith of this mother as a faith that is genuine, not something that was for show on Sunday morning, but Sunday afternoon and Monday morning and Monday night and Tuesday. And when the going got tough, he saw this woman's faith played out and lived out before him on a regular basis. And mothers, let me tell you, if you're a woman of unfeigned faith, I tell you, it's going to bless your children in ways greater than you could ever imagine. And we see what's, what's significant about it is it's rooted in Christ. Listen, we don't see her husband mentioned in the Scripture. We don't see uh, his name. We don't talk about it. We know he's a Greek, but that's all we know. And yet, Timothy was still spiritually grounded because of Eunice's influence, because of Lois's influence, because of these godly women in in his life. Her faith wasn't based on her husband. Her faith wasn't wasn't based on anyone else. Her faith was rooted in the Lord. Colossians 2 and verse 7 says, Rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Is your faith grounded in the Lord? Listen, if it's grounded in somebody else, you're in trouble. But if it's grounded in Christ, then you know that there's nothing that's going to come that will shake it. 
We see also there was a godly heritage. As Eunice had, was, had a godly mother named Lois, and for at least three generations that we know of, Timothy had this godly heritage. The scriptures refer to Timothy as if he was instilled with spiritual truth in, even in his childhood. In 2 Timothy 3.15, it says, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Listen, the faith that Eunice had, she shared with her children. The faith that Lois had, she shared with her children. There may be mothers out here today, and the man that you're married to has not demonstrated the kind of, uh, of devotion to Christ that, that you long for. And I encourage you today, bring your children to church. They'll never forget it. Be that woman of unfeigned faith, that faith that is sincere no matter when it is. Take time to read, to pray with them, and remind them there is hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Timothy is an example of what can happen when a mother is willing to let her faith influence her children. Finally, let me just say, there's Mary. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, Mary demonstrated great commitment, and, and I'll just this will be our final point this morning. But over the years, we have tried to deify the mother of Jesus. Tried to make her some sort of God in churches across the country today. They pray to Mary. They worship Mary. But let me just say, she was human. She was not a God. There's nothing in the scripture that points to her as any, anything other than just a regular uh, uh, young lady that God chose to use. But what she had was great commitment. And she was committed to doing God's will in her life. Let's look first in Luke chapter number 1. If you'll turn there with me in your Bible, Luke chapter number 1, we see first a strange request that came to her. And many of us are very familiar with this story. I will not labor long here, but I want to point out a couple of things, if you will. In the circumstances surrounding the, the Savior's birth are very familiar for us, amen? We know about Jesus. We know about His birth. We know about what happened. But you know, Mary didn't know these common facts she didn't know that uh, what was going to happen in just a few, a few years. She didn't know that this, uh, that this was going to happen to her. This was all new to her. You know, we look at this story and we think, oh yeah, Pastor, we know all about this. But it wasn't something common for Mary. How many other virgins do you know conceived and gave birth to, a, uh, to the God's son? There's only one. This was a unique situation, all right? And so as we come here, we see that this, uh, she's going about a normal routine and an angel of God appears to her. Verse 27, look there with me in your Bible. It says, To a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Verse 31, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and call, shalt call his name Jesus. First off, when we have babies today, we find out there's a pregnancy test involved and the piece of plastic tells us, hey, you're going to have a baby. Congratulations. Or if it's a nurse or a doctor, very common things. I've never had an angel announce any, a birth to, to me and my wife. I've never had that happen. This is a very unique situation. It happened also to John the Baptist and, and Elizabeth, which was Mary's cousin. But this is a unique situation. Could you imagine your response as a teenager to this strange request? Listen, you're going to have a baby. You're going to remain a virgin and, and, and have a baby. Congratulations, and his name's going to be Jesus. He's going to be the Savior of the world. Man, what an incredible situation. But Mary, despite all of this, she was calmed when she knew it was part of God's plan. 
And she was willing to relent, to give up her will to, for God's will. You know, she could have refused, but instead she said, God, I relinquish my will to yours. God, I submit to your will completely. She was committed that much to God. Luke chapter 1 and verse 38, Mary said, And behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. What a great, great example. Later in Mary's song, in Luke chapter 1, we read in verses 46 through 47, And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. My spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. You see, Mary, she was committed. She, she knew this situation and she said, listen, I want to magnify God. I know this is going to be difficult. I know that we're going to have strange looks. I know that we, I face the chance of even being uh, uh, killed. But through all of this, my soul wants to magnify God. Listen, ladies, let me encourage you today. Mary had a great commitment to God. Mary was a godly woman who said, you know what, God, through all of these things, I want to honor you with my life. And, and if God can use Mary, this teenage woman, He can use you. If God can use Eunice and her influence, someone we know very little about outside of she was faithful to, and, and she was a person who said, listen, I want to influence my family. Or, or Hannah who prayed and was full of integrity. Or maybe Jochebed who was so courageous. God can also use you. Someone wrote this poem. The mother who owns Christ as Lord and Savior in her life. The mother who knows how to trust the Father for all things. The mother who is right and just as, as punishment she brings. The mother who knows how to pray for every daily need. The mother who can point the way where God would have her lead. The mother who knows how to guide a precious child to God. The mother who walks by His side who walks the way he trod. The mother who knows how to teach her child the holy word. The mother who knows how to reach a child who has not heard. The mother who knows how to show a loving, tender face. The mother who can help him grow in wisdom and grace. The mother who can make a home in any place on earth. The mother who, through, uh, though children roam, has love that knows no dearth. The mother who is all of this to whom her God is real, the mother who is not remiss, she is her God's ideal. You're not perfect, but through Christ, God can use you. And today, as we come to a close here this morning, let me just remind you that God wants to use you in your family. God wants to use you with your children. God wants to use you with your grandchildren. And you may think, this is impossible, Pastor. You don't know the situation I live in. You don't know my family. You don't know the troubles we face. But when you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you choose to walk with Him daily, I'm reminded that He said, I am the God of the impossible.